Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Metal Chat Podcast. My name is Melissa and I am coming to you from Boston, Massachusetts. I'm here with my trusty co-host, Maeve Kitty. Today is April 4th. It's Easter Sunday. For those of you who celebrate, happy Easter. For those of you who celebrate Passover, happy Passover. This week's episode, I was lucky enough to chat with none other than Martin Popoff, someone who is quite well known within our community. He is a writer, a blogger, an artist, a filmmaker. He appears on many YouTube channels such as The Metal Voice, Banger, Sea of Tranquility, his own that he does with The Contrarians. He also has a podcast called History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff. It was a great conversation and I can't thank him enough for joining me. But before we get started, as always, I just want to thank everyone for their continued support. And with that, we are on to episode 14. So my guest today is none other than the world famous Martin Popoff. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. How are you doing, Melissa? Thanks for having me. Very. Cool. I am well, thank you. Uh, let me just make sure I'm recording here because we don't want to have any uh, problems. Um, so, uh, yeah, thanks for doing this. Cause I know Melissa, before we get started, uh, this might be a little challenging to you, but do you know how to allow me to record just as a backup to make sure I do not know how to do that because yeah, I'm, a little, kind of a a little neophyte. I'm a neophyte uh, at this. Uh, let me see. Yeah. I, I should learn this. Oh, myself. I'm recording. It says I'm recording. Yeah. I, I so. think you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, um, you don't like Skype, but I, Skype is a little bit easier for me to understand. <laughs> yeah, it's just every time I go on it, it wants to update. I never know what my address is. You know, it wants to reload. So it's, oh, yeah. there's always a surprise, there's right? And something. I'm I'm so I'm such a technophile that it freaks me out. So yeah, I'm well, I'm I'm kind of a um, neophyte when it comes to te- technology as well. Yeah. As my boss finds out that I don't know a whole lot about Microsoft 365. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's always like, just. Do this and I was like I don't I don't know how to do that he's looking at me like I got 12 heads but you know the thing is is that you know he's like 30 years old and I'm your age yeah. so we didn't grow <laughs> up with this I don't even have a cell phone yet believe it or not really <laughs> yeah. wow all right I'm a little yeah. bit I'm a little bit more advanced than that yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so um I just kind of was like I've always been curious about how you got into this business. I mean, I know that you're from Trail BC, which I have to tell you, I looked it up because you always talk about Spokane. And I thought that you were like a border town, but you're like two hours away. Well, Spokane's not the border town. That's the problem. It's two hours away. So Trail kind of is a border town. Trail's only like five, 10 minutes from the border. But then then you've got, you know, about an hour and 45 of Washington state to go through. Okay. But that's like the big city that you used to go to to see shows and. Yeah, I mean, it's not that big a city. I mean, back then it was probably 120,000. So it was one of these mid-sized towns, but every band came through there and it had the awesome, awesome record stores, enough of them that, you know, you could get everything. It had three or four great record stores, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So you guys would just take a Saturday to go down there and. Yeah, or skip out of school, you know, or, or show up, show up at school and, and, you know, some, some, uh, miscreants, uh, you know, hot car and look at each other and go, ah, let's not go to school today. Let's yeah. To Spokane, right. I used to, uh, we'd go to lunch and not come back. <laughs> right. <laughs> really, you really want to go back this afternoon? You got anything important going on? No, I don't think so. Let's just, yeah. Let's yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you can't do that nowadays. I mean, they, they track the kids 
terrible. They're, they're practically wearing a, an ankle bracelet. Yeah. Um, so, so you're in bands as a kid. So, so let's backtrack a little bit. So growing up in the seventies, when did you get into rock music and metal or it wasn't metal really at the time, but when did you find that this was a passion of yours? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't really in bands. I, I was in like garagey little situations. We had one band one summer where we actually played the bars and got paid. So that's that's the extent of my band stuff. But but into getting into music, uh, I would say 10 years old, 1973. So that's when I became, you know, semi-woke. And then I would say by 75, you know, me and a, a couple of buddies in town were complete experts at all this, right? Uh, getting Circus Magazine and Cream and Hit Parader and knowing when albums were coming out and seeing the ads and freaking out over the ads and, you know, going down to the local record store and always being on top of it and making those pilgrimages to Spokane. So, you know, 75, 76, 77, it was all... Ted Nugent and Aerosmith and Kiss and Blue Oyster Cult, Deep Purple, Black Sabbath, Nazareth, Montrose, Moxie, uh, Tease, Rush, uh, all that kind of stuff, right? Nice. Triumph. And then, you know, th things became much, much better when the new wave of British heavy metal came out. So we were going to Spokane and buying, you know, Sounds magazine in 1979 and 1980. And all of a sudden these singles, picture sleeve singles are arriving with a patch in them. And, and there was lots and lots of metal and you knew it was metal because finally people had metal names and metal album covers and they, they all looked like metal heads. And, uh, and, you know, then it was off to the races, lots and lots of stuff. So 1980, 81, I would have been in grade 11, grade 12, graduating in 81, and then off to university after that. Yeah, I, um, so I'm 55. So mm -hmm. I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit younger, but same, 57. Sort of, so. Yeah, so the same, so the same era, basically. Yep. Although, mm -hmm. because I'm a little bit younger than you, I think I missed out on a lot of shows that you probably saw. Did you get to see Zeppelin? No. Uh, so that's the other thing. So being in trail and being young and then Spokane being a little ways away. I mean, literally, I think the only show, I think I saw one show in the seventies and that would have been our first show, which would have been Ted Nugent backed up by Bebop Deluxe, backed up by Rex. And then on vacation, family vacation, uh, we went across the country and in Montreal in 77, I saw Cheap Trick backing up Kiss and then in 79, I saw Blue Oyster Cult in Poughkeepsie, New York, supported by the Lisa Hart Band and Roadmaster. Uh, and uh, literally, I, I, I don't believe I saw any other big concerts in the entire 1970s besides those three. Maybe so April Wine once in Halifax and, you know, the odd semi-decent thing right right in trail but they weren't big concerts but you know at the at the local hockey arena yeah. we had a local band called carol brothers came through i remember sugarloaf came through i remember seeing hammersmith in um in uh nelson bc which was an hour away um i think that's it though so you said um family vacation so your family's going to rock concerts too no, um, <laughs> this was this was more like everybody jumps in the the family camper van. We had a really well tricked out camper van that slept four, and um, I mean, Dad took me and my brother to oh, nice. the tent region, and and Dad or Mom, I can't remember which one took took us to the Kiss one oh, and nice. took us, but they weren't rock fans. I mean, no, they, right. they were a fair bit older and stuff. Is, it was is, just to take us to a few concerts. Is your brother younger or older? 
he's younger. He's deceased now. He uh, he's 40. He was 49. He had a lot of health problems. He died uh, about seven or eight years ago. Um, But yeah, he was big into music as well. We were we were all into music. So it was cousins and older brothers of, uh, you know, one one particular friend, Forrest Toop. Uh, Him and myself were the two guys that were the maniacs in town for music. Right. (laughs) Did you have really long hair? No, I wouldn't say that long. Um, you know, just just behaved long hair, seventies long hair, right? Seventies <laughs> long hair. Yeah, yeah. So you go off to school. Now you went to school in Toronto. No, uh, let's see. So so first university was UBC. Then it was back to Nelson. Then it was to University of Victoria in Victoria, BC. Then it was McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario. Uh, and then that's it. So well, six probably- years did an MBA master's in business, uh, and, and an undergrad in English. So six years of university in four, three different, four different places. Wow. All right. So you have a, um, you have an MBA. Wow. Uh, that's, did you, so what did you want to, like, did you have a plan of what you wanted to be when you grew up? Was it this or was it something else? No, had nothing to do with this, oddly enough. I mean, literally, I got out of UBC. I mean, I got out of McMaster with the MBA and I went and worked for Xerox, most capitalist job you can imagine. I mean, back then it was Xerox and IBM were, you know, a salesperson for Xerox was about as as hyped up capitalist as you could possibly yeah. get, right? I mean, they had that famous sales training program and all that. So did that for about two and a half years, transferred to Toronto, uh, started in Vancouver, transferred to Toronto, met, met a buddy of a buddy, and we started a little desktop publishing print broking business where I'd, I'd run around to the office towers and sell printing. And so we ran that, you know, both worked from home for about nine or 10 years. And then he decided he was from South Africa. He decided he was going to move. They just had twins. They were going to move to New Zealand. Zealand. And so we were both getting bored of it by that point. And we we sold out to one of our main suppliers. And I went full time about the year 2000. But to back up. So I did my first self published book in 93 of record reviews. And then I met Tim Henderson, and we started Brave Words and Bloody Knuckles in May of 94. So starting in 94, that's when I was doing it pretty busy on the side, starting to interview people all the time. So 94 through to about 2000 was it was a side gig, but it was getting more busy all the time. And I was spending a lot of time at it. And then, you know, one point you look at those two lines crossing on the chart and you go, wow, what if I spent eight hours or 10 hours at this a day? Wouldn't that be fun? Right. And I could probably make enough money to more or less match what I was doing here. And boy, that would be a dream job. Yeah, and wouldn't that be cool? Job. But no, I never really thought about it until, until I wrote that first book of record reviews. Um, that was the first I, I ever really thought about doing it. And when you, when you did that, I mean, did you just one day just say, you know, um, I think I'm just going to sit down and write this book just for, for me, for fun, for well, no, because, for Christmas. <laughs> because we were a, a print broking company oh, okay. and, and my, my buddy, my, my partner was the layout guy of all these big documents and brochures and all this. We thought, okay, you lay it out and, and, you know, I'll get it printed. And I, I felt comfortable with the printing process. And I thought, you know, there weren't very many heavy metal books at, at the time. And it was a book of 1942 heavy metal record reviews, right? Called Riff Kills Man, 25 years of recorded hard rock and heavy metal, self-published, um, 
but I just thought, get all this stuff out of my head and all these connections between band members all over the place. And just, wouldn't it be nice to write all the Black Sabbath reviews in a row and then move on to the next band and write all of those in a row and blah, blah, blah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I guess that came out even before I met Tim Henderson. So that, and that's how I met Tim Henderson. Um, you know, a, a funny thing is I probably met him because they used to have the listening posts on the walls at HMV. Tim, Tim ran, Tim went to McMaster, never knew him there, but he ran the, the flagship HMV heavy metal department. It was a just going guns, doing tons of business, huge heavy metal department, the golden age of CDs. Right. 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 And they had these listening posts where you could play CDs. Right. On, right. Uh, and, they had them here and, in Boston. Yeah. Yeah. So, so wouldn't, wasn't that cool. So, so I'm writing this record review book and I didn't have to buy everything. Right. I, I'd like, if there was a gap, I'd be able to walk in there and stand at the post and run through it. Right. So I did a lot yeah, of that. That was the, the pre Spotify, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the pre uh, try before you buy, because back, you know, and you've talked about this before, you know, back when we were growing up, you kind of just went and, you know, maybe you read about it in a magazine or you looked at the album cover or, you know, you knew the band name and you just bought it, you know. Yeah, you check the song titles if they sounded violent and heavy enough. Uh, you made sure, you know, there's no flute player or strings or horns in the band, right? And if, you hope you hope, if it's five guys with long hair, that's another you got a chance, you know, depending on what the album cover was, right? So, so we we took a flyer many times on on records like that yeah. and got burned many times, and then yeah. oftentimes it like turned bat, out. Bat out of Hell is a fine example of an album that yeah. you expect to be heavy. That just I always think of Ario Speedwagon. Doobie yeah. Brothers, Grand Funk, you know, there were tons of them, right? Yeah. That, that looked pretty heavy that weren't. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, I'm kind of, sometimes you're disappointed. I mean, I like all kinds of stuff, but, you know, I, I wasn't really a fan of the Doobie Brothers, but I mean, I do like Meatloaf, but he's not. Well, back, back then we were, we were militant, militant, militant heavy metal people. Like you hear about Paul Bailoff's and cutting people's shirts off and stuff like that. Right. And, you know, metal till <laughs> I die and posers die and all that. I mean, yeah, for many years and until probably 83, 84, it was like, it had to be heavy or we, we weren't on board. So. <laughs> yeah. so, yeah, well, that's, that's, that's pretty. So that kind of brings me to my next question because I was talking to a friend of mine and, um, he was saying that um, you kind of have a reputation of being somebody that doesn't like power ballads. So my question to you is what power ballads do you like, if any? Hmm. Interesting question. Never heard that one before. Um, you know, but we, we just did a show on, on the ranking the Aerosmith albums and it's almost like, it's almost like, the best ballads were before they actually were power ballads. Right. So, you know, you think of you see me crying or home tonight um, or even something that's semi novel, like Janie's got a gun when you are actually way up into the power ballad era, but um, you know, fade to black is kind of a power ballad yep. beyond the realms of death is kind of a power yep. ballad. So, so it's, it's like, it's like some of the best ballads were just before they actually were power ballads. And you thought you had to put that heavy part in it. Right. Right. Um, but uh, boy, best power ballads. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure what I would rank as uh, as when you actually make that turn the corner, because to turn the corner to say, oh, it had to have that heavy part in it. Um, 
you know, the earlier ones I think about are are like a Beyond the Realms of Death, where it's still a squarely heavy metal band right. doing it. But right. but when it becomes power ballads, where you think you got to put that in, that's almost around the time when you do have the 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 you know the horrible song doctor thing coming in, the the right. Jim Valance and Diane Warren thing coming right. in. Like Angel was was you know the first horrible 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 yes. move that Aerosmith yeah. made. Yeah. Before that. You know, Joni's Butterfly is a mellow song uh, from Aerosmith, but it's great, right? Right. Um, and then you had many mellow songs like Beth and Hard Luck Woman and Solitude from Black Sabbath and Changes. And you had ones that were mellow all the way throughout. So you would call those ballads, right? Right. Although sometimes they were funeral dirges, right? <laughs> um, but uh, so, so yeah, it's, it's funny when it actually comes to actual power ballads, my mind is drawing a blank because because that term has such negative connotation for me that I, I've, I, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Well, it got, it got gratuitous, right? You know, in the 80s during the glam thing, it got gratuitous. Yeah. You had to have one or two on your album. And and honestly, for a lot of bands, that was the only airplay that they got, right? Was the yeah. power ballad was the only way to get any kind of airplay and only way to get people to sort of buy the album. And then, you know, yeah. took you into buying the album and finding out and when it got when people. it got gratuitous, it was it could be a power ballad, but it also could be a straight ballad at the same time from that kind of band. So now I'm thinking back, you know, when hair metal first started, say, 83, 84, you had ballads on some of those very, very first albums. I guess that's the start of the power ballad thing. But usually they weren't written by an outside writer. Right. In right. So right. they were still OK, I suppose, at that point. <laughs> Then they then they jumped kind of jumped the shock, I think. I don't know. The yeah, you had that. melodramatic sort of crappy melodies added to them. They became more conservative. It just it just felt like, you know, in you know, before that happened, it felt like a song that that they wanted to write or they needed to write or they wanted to get out. And later it became the label telling them, oh, you got to stick this on here. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that. So. How many books have you written? Because you've written like a million, right? Yeah, it's about 90 at this wow. point. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's interesting because I used to buy all your books from Amazon mm -hmm. because I didn't know I could buy them directly from you. And then I found out a couple of years ago. And as you know, I've, I've bought some books from you directly. Yeah. Um, sadly, I don't get to read as much as I'm so busy. It's just right. so hard. But has sales improved because of the pandemic? Definitely. Uh, I had about a double year last year. It was it was way more last year. Um, and I, I, I didn't think there was a good I, I, you know, as time goes on, you see a trend. I mean, even the ebooks picked up. So there, it, it definitely is the the answer that everybody expects, which is I think a lot of people had more free time on their hands. So possibly it's going to go back down again. Right. Um, mm, you you wow. never know. But so far, this this year has been pretty busy, too. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, you have the podcast now, um, History in Five Songs of Martin Popoff, which I love. Thank you. Yeah, I very much thanks. enjoy it. And you're very good at um, keeping them uh, manageable. You know, like I can listen to one before work or, you know, keeping them reasonably. Yeah, I, I keep looking at the time. And once it gets above 25, 28, 29 minutes, that's when I try to wrap it up. So, I mean, almost everyone is is exactly the same length. They're all they're all a half hour long when when you add those 30 second yeah. times five music clips. Right. Yeah, that's good. Do you have a lot of um, I so I'm on the Facebook page and I know that you get like tons of people uh, throwing out uh, ideas from you. So you must have uh, quite a list of future episodes planned. 
Yeah, I don't have too many planned all at once because I find if I start thinking about them too much, they get stale and I, I lose the excitement to do them. So I almost, it, most of them honestly are, are pretty spontaneous on the day. Mm-hmm. Like I just come up with it, but um, yeah, it's very tragic. The whole, the whole taking all these suggestions. Cause I often don't take the suggestions because there's any number of reasons why I won't do that one. Right. And a mm-hmm. lot of it is because I really, for the, for the foreseeable future. I'm trying to do ones where I can just talk them off the top of my head. Um, right. And I, I have this knowledge inherent and I don't have to make a lot of notes and I don't have to memorize a lot right. of things. So I don't have to prepare a lot. Right. Um, so, and, and I think that makes for a better one anyways, cause it doesn't, it doesn't sound fakey that way. Right. So, right. So almost every suggestion someone comes up with, there's one or two bands where I know nothing about them. And I know I'm going to have to do a bunch of work just to get that one example sorted out. Right. So that happens a lot. And then, you know, having doing that and doing the contrarians and going on Sea of Tranquility with Pete Pardo all the time. I love that. I love those. Um, th- You guys are perfect together. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, we do a lot there. But what happens is after doing all this, you, you, you don't want to... St- give the same stories and talk about the same albums over and over and over again. So a lot of the suggestions also fall into that where you start reading it and you go, Oh, here I am talking about Aerosmith rocks again, or, or Ronnie James Dio joining black Sabbath. Yeah. I mean, you have to be careful because it's the same audience really. Right. Yeah. It's the same people because the same people listen to my podcast, watch see a tranquility and metal voice and banger and, You know, it's it's all the same community, you know, and so you don't, you know, you want to keep it a little bit, you know, fresher, you know, so that it's not the same story yeah. over and over and over again. How did you hook up with um Pete? See a tranquility. Just one day he contacted me. I mean, I, I believe in the old days we had a little bit of like I would write for Sea of Tranquility magazine, I think, and then maybe and Sea of Tranquility website. Um, but we weren't really in touch. And he just asked me one day and then we just kept doing it. Yeah, no, I think they're they're great. They're great. I mean, I think Thanks. you guys complement each other, uh, you know, and, and you're both so knowledgeable. It's, it's very interesting because I'm also a, a, a fan of Prague as well. Mm-hmm. And so I really, I really enjoy, um, I mean, he's pulled out some prog bands that even I've never heard of. I was like, wow, yeah. I don't even know those. I don't even know those people. It's easy to look knowledgeable when you get to pick the subject though. Right. <laughs> it's like, it's like, sure. I'll ask him about bands. He'll, he'll know zero about, and he'll ask me about bands. I'll know zero about, and I'll see him do shows on Chick Corea dying yeah. or, or Jaco Pastorius, Pastorius or something. Right. And, and it's like, I know zero about those bands, so I can't talk about them. Right. So, right. so that, that's the thing when you do these shows, it, it just by, by nature is what you know about, but he, he can suggest tons of things to me and I'll say, Nope, no way. I ain't touching that <laughs> right? because I don't know anything about it. So, right. Right. So how did the contrarians come about, which is also very cool. And I have to tell you the interesting thing, the funny thing about that show is I love the beginning because it reminds me of like old school, uh, when cable first started, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nick came up with that. Yeah. So that started where um, I think Marco contacted me to interview me about the mystique. Uh, this is a, this is a pretty obscure band that he's got, you know, relatives with they, so he's doing this little mystique documentary, but so he contacted me about that, but both of those guys and other guys involved 
had all this equipment, were really into this, learning how to use it, blah, blah, blah. And they used to come over to my office here when we first started and they would set up all this stuff and we would do this. And I thought, you know, and they thought, hey, this isn't costing us anything. It's fun. We got all this. We're learning as we go. Right. Um, let's just do this. And I thought, yeah, this is cool. It's not not a huge hassle. On and then I just literally came up with that concept in like five minutes. I, I just thought, okay, well, let's come up with a show idea that's a little different than other show ideas. Ah, here we go. Here's what it is. And then and then uh, as time went on, um, you know, Marco. Now it's really Marco and myself with a few guests now and again. Mm -hmm. But but um, Marco still is super enthusiastic about doing all that nice editing and putting up all the graphics and pictures and all that. So I thought, you know, um, I thought, well, you know, we've, we've got a show here and one of the team is loving doing all this, making it look really professional. Yeah. Let's just keep doing this. This is yeah. really cool. It's not costing us any money. It's a little bit of time. Marco, you know, he's he does his research. He's very conscientious about the whole thing. He'll edit, you know, he'll go through. And if he doesn't like things he said or whatever, or if I say cut something out, he's fine with editing. Um, so, you know, it's it's a great, it's a cool concept, number one. And then we right. came up with the second concept, Worst Albums, which doesn't now go with the name The Contrarians too well, um, unfortunately. But um it's it's cool that we've got these two concepts and, you know, in contrast to what what, you know, Pete does and what I do on Pete's show, it does have a bunch of editing and pictures and all that. So it's kind of neat to have that extra little bit of uh, sheen put onto it. So, so how is doing the, it. how is the um, pandemic affected, though, because now you're kind of doing it. You know, I've seen you do like solo ones. And so, yeah, you're not in the. Oh, same yeah. Room. We do it all Zoom now. And yeah. and. I don't see us even going back to doing it the other way. There's no point. It's just too much work. It's too much hassle. Why haul all that stuff around? I, I think they come out awesome the way Marco's been doing them now. So I think it's just going to stay Zoom. Is, is he in Toronto as well? No. Well, that's the other thing. He was in uh, Mississauga, which is about Sorry, right? 20 minutes west of here. But now he's moved to like a farm location about an hour and 10 minutes. Oh, west yeah. Of here. So he's farther away and, and Nick's not part of it anymore. Nick, Nick wants to bow out. He's too busy. So I think that takes away half the equipment. Um, so yeah, why bother? I mean, it's just so easy to just dial it up and do it with zoom. Yeah. I, is your office in your home? No, I have a, um, I bought a 525 square foot condo in 2005 and it was finished in 2008. And I just walked to it every day and, uh, and got all my, you know, this is the man cave with all the junk in it, right? All the records and CDs and books. And so I just work and then, and then pack up and go home. It's a 20, 24 minute walk sort of thing. Um, so yeah, it, it's nice to have just an external place full of all this stuff. Like a separate, a separate office. Yeah. yeah. So you jog, right? Yeah, somewhat. Yeah. Because <laughs> well, you always say you're jogging around Toronto and I was wondering if you're doing that in the winter. Yeah, no, I, I um, if it's too cold, it's I've too decided fun. that I got to keep exercising because I'm, you know, oh, eating you. And drinking too much and all that. Yeah. So, so uh, I, I lowered my temperature threshold. So I, I'm at about a two to three to degrees Celsius threshold. Um, so I, I didn't go when it's super cold in Toronto. Um, but you know, I, I've, I've gone in some pretty cold conditions. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely, um, with this, the pandemic, um, everybody's been putting on weight and not yeah. exercising as much as, yeah. um, do you jog as well? 
I do not jog as well, <laughs> but I don't drive. So I walk everywhere. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, we get crappy weather in Boston, too. And, yeah. um, I tr- you know, I try to be better about walking. And I actually live super close to where I work. Yeah. So uh, it's a it's like a five minute walk, yeah. which is nice. Cool. Which is really, really good. Um, so what was the other thing I wanted to ask you? Um, oh, I know what I wanted to ask you about. I wanted to ask you about the Imaginos book that you're doing. Right. So you're doing all the artwork for this, too. So you're an artist as well. Yeah, it's out already. It came out oh, two weeks is. ago. Yeah, so it's finished. Um, and it's I did 39 pencil illustrations for it. And then I've got this thing in the back. I'm trying to parlay this into uh, something I'd even rather do more than writing about rock, which is do more art. So I've, I've come up with a thing where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer to sell prints out of it. And then if you buy a print, you also get what I call the, um, what did I call it? The image key which is a little explanation about what the heck is in all these pictures. And then you also get a mystery print at the same time. So you get two prints in this image thing. So I did that and the front cover and, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I've in, in the past and I want to get back to it, but I've, I've done big messy painting too. Uh, but that was more in the nineties and I can't really do that in the office. It's too messy. Um, so I, I kind of got lazy and fell down to the idea of doing, uh, I was doing these uh, full color pencil crayon illustrations of ads and then I would make up the ads and then I would take copies from it, copy from ads and combine it with other images and blah, blah, blah. And then, and then I did this thing for this Imaginals book. This is, that's, this is very cool. It's very cool. I'm going to definitely uh, have to check it out. Have you ever thought about doing like uh, album covers and things like that? Yeah, I, a little bit. And I, I have had one or two come out that way, but I'm, I'm pretty low tech and I'm not, I'm not particularly, I don't think I'm this late in life. I'm going to be learning, you know, full on uh, Photoshop methods, uh, yeah. things like that. Uh, so I thought about it a little, a little bit along the years, but no, I, I think I, I want to just do this thing where I'm going to come up with things and then, and then, you know, small enough to put on 11 by 17 scanner so I can scan them and get the image. But I do want to get back to major full on painting at, at some point mm-hmm. too. You know, I, I've, I've sold some paintings in the past. It wasn't hard to make money at art. I mean, I just don't know why I kind of stopped. Um, but I, I had been in a few little gallery things. Um, uh, I remember in the nineties now I was able to sell things pretty easily, you know, just pfft, 1200 bucks, thousand bucks, 750, wow. 450 for a small one. It was, it, it was working and I just kind of quit, you what, know, I what, guess. What, I got were they, what were you, I mean, were you into like landscaping, you know, what kind of. No, it's, it's, it's a little hard to explain. It was mostly fairly abstract. If you go to my website, there's a section that says my paintings and you oh, can right. see most of the ones there. There's about 30 there. Um, but it was one of the neat things is that materials were really interesting. It was a mix of oil painting and water at not watercolor oil painting and acrylic and this evil bad for you expensive stuff called liquid this pink gooey stuff and you would use that as a thinner and as a glaze and there was a lot of texture and a lot of layers so it was really yummy looking and really cool and textured and tough um and you know you can sort of see that at 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 my website um so it was it was at that point as much about the complicated materials as it was 
the subject matter, uh, if if you can imagine. But yeah, there's lots of things I could. Uh, I've 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 thought of doing a whole medium, kind of try out all mediums and and work that way. But uh, yeah, I, I would love to get way more into that than I am now. So. Oh well, that's good. Um, hopefully, hopefully you can do that. So, do you have? Um... What other books do you have in the works now? Because I didn't even know the Imaginos book was out. So what do you got coming yeah, up? Yeah, lots. Because even after the Imaginos book, which came out two weeks ago, Driven, Rush in the 90s, and In the End came out one week ago. Right. Um, and then, um, so so for Weimer Publishing in the UK, my main publisher, um, we've been doing these big coffee table books, uh, which are hardcover, mostly mm -hmm. images, but I've been putting these complicated detailed timelines in them and sometimes with quotes. So we did four of those so far. So coming out right right now, probably finished at the printer and on its way soon to me is the Uri Heap one. And then we've got a Nazareth one that's more or less finished, a yes one that I've turned in the text for. I'm in the middle of a Hawkwind one. And there's rumors that we might do a UFO one uh, eventually. Oh, that we cool. um, and uh, boy, what else? There's a there's an ad advertising, uh, you know, at record ads with captions book, semi planned. Um, well, planned. We've already done the the contract on it, so there's that. And there's a uh, a damned book that I'm going to do exactly like my Clash and Zeppelin, where I'm going to write about every single song that the damned oh, wow. ever did. Wow! So I'm going to do that one. So that's quite a bit right there already. That is. Yeah. That is. Um, yeah. How how easy was it for you to interview people to get, because I mean, now you can, you know, you can sort of message people and whatnot, but back then it was, was it more difficult to sort of try to interview Dave Mustaine or, you know, whoever. You... Well, back then. Um, so in the print era, when we had brave words from 93 to 08, it was more the traditional way, which still continues this way, which is um, a publicist, uh, you know, you find the publicist or the publicist finds you depends where you are on the food chain and where they are on the food mm -hmm. chain. Right. Mm -hmm. um, they, they are either begging you to talk to their people or you are begging them to talk to their people. Right. right? Um, and their and their, you know, main job is saying no <laughs> <laughs> or, or their or their main job is begging you to talk to them. Right. So it, it, it depends on where your magazine and your website is on the food chain and and, and where that that band is on the food chain. But that generally is the method. It, it was it was through the publicists or through the record label directly. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, now, is it easier for you because you're a little bit more visible, a little more known? Not really, because the magazine's gone. So with the death of magazines, the death of print, uh, you know, we, we probably have less power. Brave words has probably less power than we had when we had a print magazine because rockers are, are semi kind of old school as well. And there's a formality to a magazine mm -hmm. and there's the, the tactileness of, of flipping through it with your bandmates and right. seeing yourself in there. So, and, and I'm down to just a couple of outlets now, just Goldmine magazine, which is still in print. So Goldmine magazine and the website, but brave words is just the website just the and brave words is a powerful website with a lot of traffic. It is. Um, it is. I, I mean, I have the, I'm on the Facebook page and, and the website as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, we, we don't have, you know, we, we still have a fair bit of power getting interviews. Um, so that's really not that much of a problem. Um, 
But, uh, you know, back in the old days, I used to write for, you know, five, six, seven places. So you mm. had all these different, you could check them off. Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can do it in here and in here. And, oh, if you get me this guy, I'll use half of it for here and half of it for here. And then they say, well, okay, that's good enough for, uh, you know, to get this big dude or whatever, right? What about like, uh, have you written for Metal Hammer? Or uh, I don't I don't recall if I've ever had anything in Metal Hammer or Metal Edge, but there was Livewire in the past. There was CMJ. Rip. There Rip. was Prague. There, there was Guitar World. I wrote for Guitar World a bit. There was uh, I wrote a tiny bit for um, Record Collector in the UK. Uh, there were a few others that came and went. I was a regular with Chart Magazine, which is a was a pretty big Canadian magazine for a lot of years. Mm -hmm. Went out of business the same month Brave Words out of, went out of business. Um, Remember, there was that big economic crash in 2008, yep. right? right? And that's when I think we lost Metal Hammer, Metal Edge, not Metal Hammer, uh, Metal Edge, Metal Maniacs, Chart Magazine, Brave Words, all within a month or two of each wow. other. Like yeah. our last one was October 08. It was, oh, wow. episode, or it was issue like 101. Um, and then Chart, the next, you know, basically between October and Christmas, a whole bunch of magazines went out of business immediately wow. with, that, with that financial crash. And that's terrible for you because that was income, you know, that you lost, right? Because yeah. so what does your family think about what you do now? Are they waiting for you to get a real job? Not particular. Well, you know, I mean, it's it's never been that high paying a job all along the way. There's been a, a few decent years in there, uh, pretty good years. And like this last year was far and away the best year ever. Um, and the best years I've ever had are ones that were combined with me working full time or a lot at Banger Films, right? Mm -hmm. So when I worked on the Rush movie, I was there full time right. for like right. nine months. When we worked on Metal Evolution, I was there full time for over two years. Um, and then all along the way with on those other things, I would have been semi full time or, or I did a lot of stuff from my own office. So those were the good years. So no, I mean, it, it's kind of turned around at least this last year. See, 2020 and 2021 are probably going to be the two best years I've ever had. And there were like a couple other pretty decent years. But yeah, in the beginning, it was it was looked upon as kind of a toy job. <laughs> your, your family wasn't like, go get a real job now. <laughs> yeah. Time to be a grown up. Yeah. Do you have anything coming up with Banger? Because I enjoy uh, when you do the the um, album reviews and the, the yeah, no, I. I I got to check with Craig. It's overdue, but I, I think the one that uh, has been long finished that should have been up by now is uh, Overkill Rewind, the top five heavy metal albums of 1985. So that is all done. We were going to do Saxon. I was going to do an overkill review of Saxon until we found out it was a covers album. And then it kind of got nixed because it's not as important anymore. Uh, I agree with that too. I agree with um, that too. Yeah. So, uh, so I've got nothing coming up with Banger at the moment. Um, that's the other thing with that whole situation. I mean, that's kind of another reason we started Contrarians uh, just because the Banger thing you know, the stable of people is so big and it's it's kind of a big production and it takes a lot of editing and they're trying to do it really professional. So um, they don't have the funding or are making enough money at it mm -hmm. to just right. like give you a job every right. week. Right. So like with Banger, I, I kind of feel like I'm just doing something once every two, three, four months even. Right. Um, right. So it just doesn't feel that regular. Right. So who are you waiting to interview? Who is your dream interview that you haven't gotten yet? Boy, I would say uh, I would say the top of the food chain for me right now would be Roger Waters. 
maybe Brian May, maybe Jimmy Page, maybe an actual interview with Robert Plant. I'd put him above Jimmy Page, actually, because I've been on one I've been on one conference call interview with Robert mm-hmm. Plant. So I got to ask him one question. <laughs> um, but uh, so I've sem- I've sort of interviewed Robert Plant, but um, I would say those ones, Robert Plant, Jimmy Page, Roger Waters, Brian May, Pete yeah. Towns, Pete Towns would be pretty high. Yeah, I'd say that's kind it. of get to those people soon because nobody's getting any younger. Yeah, and it's not like I'm actively trying to get to them. I'm not begging, you know, I'm not trying to figure out a way to right. do it. I mean, I probably should because yeah, it's <laughs> it's really bad when these guys pass on and you go, well, you know, yeah. should have got that done, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I don't want to keep you all day because I'm sure that you have a million things to do, but I cannot thank you enough for doing one funny thing is I have a friend who has a, um, a podcast called uh, Feckin' Metal out of Ireland. And he has this thing where if you get an important guest, it's called a goose. So I want you to know that you are my goose. You are my ah, first. I'm not very important. My first uh, big no wig uh, interview. <laughs> yeah, it's not big wig at all. <laughs> no, we, we don't count. Right? You know, just just I'm just a guy scribbling about other people's accomplishments. Right. It's it's like this is this is the, uh, true art. Artists actually, you know, the artists are exalted to me. Right. The guys who actually make the music mm-hmm. are are, I think, the gooses, right? So, <laughs> well, I have to disagree yeah. with you on that because I, uh, because I, I really love, love what you do. And, um, and I think it's just such a great job and it's just exciting that you can make a living and, you know, nobody's getting rich, but you can make a living at doing what you love instead yeah. of, you know, putting on a suit and tie and, you know, going to sell well, you know, stuff. I used to think a lot of people could do that and make a living at this. Uh, but what I've found out uh, over time, because a lot of people, I know a lot of writers and a lot of people ask me like about, oh, how do you do this? And it's like, I realize like a lot of people write really slow. Um, so if you write really slow, you're not yet, you know, I, I probably would tell those people, you know what, you can't make a living at this, but it, as long as you can write pretty fast, um, and, you know, put a bunch of little things together and, you know, you, you, you could do it if you wanted to, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it, like I say, the same thing happened to me. It's like when, when you go, when you sit back and go, if I spent 10 hours a day at this, you know, I could probably get a lot of stuff done. And that's, and as soon as you make that decision, it's, it's pretty easy mm-hmm. to make the jump. Yeah. Yeah. I think for a lot of people, it's, you know, they're, they, they have bills to pay and they're kind of, you know, cause I would love to do this sort of thing full time too, but you know, I have a day job cause mm, <laughs> I have yeah. to work. <laughs> and what do you, what do you do? I actually am a manager at Whole Foods. Okay. I work at Whole Foods market. I know we have a couple in Toronto. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, and I manage the front end and um, it's just insanity, you know, mm-hmm. I bet <laughs> the fun never ends. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's craziness, but yeah. you know, it is one of those things where it wasn't, it wasn't uh, really my plan either. Um, I also have a degree in business and I just sort of, I just mm-hmm. sort of ended up, I had a pet sitting. Well, I still technically have a pet sitting business as well. Yeah. Although it's pretty much defunct now because nobody goes away. Well, a manager at Whole Foods is, is the fulfillment of a business degree, right? Well, that is true. Kind of. It's more like, I'm more like a, a kindergarten teacher. <laughs> right. <laughs> Dealing yeah. with, Cause you know, it's yeah. all, you know, a lot of the kids in my department, a lot of the people in my department are kids, you know, right. so you're dealing with, you know, 18, 19, 20 year olds. And sometimes it's like, uh, am I a nursery school teacher? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 
Yeah, well, it's great that you have all this knowledge about all this stuff because, yeah, that's the other thing I tell people is, is like, look, you got all this stuff that not it's pretty valuable. A lot of people don't know all this stuff that we know, right? And it's 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 you got to put it to use, right? Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's sort of like uh, uh, I guess I'm sort of like a uh, I felt sort of like an idiot savant. You know what I mean? You just I, I I know a lot of I have a lot of knowledge about kind of like stupid stuff, but it you know I'm. But and the one thing that I really have loved about the modern technology in starting the podcast and even in in you know YouTube and whatnot is finding all the people that are like us, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. the whole community of us. Yeah, all the all the the metal slash music geeks that are out there, you know, and then you kind of like, gee, I'm not the only one. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing. I mean, sometimes I think I can't believe I'm writing a book on sweet or angel or accept or Max Webster or something. Right. But there's enough people out there to make it, you know, just barely financially worth doing there. there, Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's got their tribes all over the place. And when I, when I look at other YouTube shows or whatever, and I see, you know, 800,000 views or whatever, and and the contrarians, we're happy when we get like 2,500. The point is, is that, is that, um, there are just so many shows out there oh, and, and to have any audience at all is, is, is quite amazing. Right. Yeah. So, but, but it is, there are these tiny, tiny, tiny tribes all over the place. And then there are things that are more universally loved that, uh, that you're just, you're just blown away by how many views they get. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Some of, some of it is crazy. Yeah. You know, uh, I was talking to somebody on Saturday night about, um, about YouTube, you know, and about some of the, some of the stupid stuff that's on YouTube and, you know, the influencers and all that kind of garbage that I don't completely understand, Yeah, you know, but I, I do really enjoy watching, uh, like I, like I said, I watch banger metal voice. You've been a metal voice as well, I believe. Right. I've been on there a bunch of times. I haven't been on with Jimmy for years. Jimmy's a good buddy of mine, yeah. but it's probably been a couple of years that I've been on. Although I went on their anniversary thing just recently, but yes, yes. Um, no, I haven't been on much, but you know, th- there's a perfect example of how long it takes to get any viewership whatsoever. And, and with contrarians, it took us, it took us two and a half years of just kind of being flatlined and then it then it really peaked up and now we're now we're like you know pretty excited when we see oh three thousand views 1500 for this in a day and a half whoa that's pretty cool and then then we compare to pete you know sea of tranquility just knocking out but he's on the web every five minutes i mean every time yeah but you know every turn around it's 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 awesome it's awesome numbers are great but he has so much uh content but uh but he's you know he is on all the damn time right he's there all the damn time um, exactly. And then, but I mean, the fact that you've been on all of these other channels helps your channel, you know, that whole that cross pollination. I that think goes so. I, I bet some of the contrarians recent modest successes is, is because of the, the crossover from Pete's show. Sure. Yeah. And that's great. I mean, that's, that's, that's awesome that everybody's helping each other. And, yeah. and cause like I said, you know, it's all this, cause it is all the same. It's all the same audience really, you know? Yeah it's all the same, the same people that, that are watching all the, all of this stuff, Yeah, you know, that see you on all, on all these different channels. And then maybe, maybe they do say, Oh, you know, I I didn't know he had contrarians. I got to check this out. 
Yeah. Same with book sales. You always, you never know for sure what's helped book sales, but I'm sure being on Pete's show has helped book oh, yeah. sales. And I've seen it directly too. When he's actually done a review of one of my rush books, all of a sudden, where are these orders coming from? This is really weird. <laughs> you know, I'm getting five, six, seven orders in a couple of days. I'm thinking that's odd. You know, this book was dead. Right. And it's like, Oh, Pete just did a review of it. That's why. That's you know? good. So, yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So before we go, do you want to, uh, there's an opportunity for you to plug all of your stuff to everybody where they can find you. All right. So just martinpopoff.com. Every book that I have in print, uh, whether it's self-published or not, I mean, from all the different publishers, they're all there with PayPal buttons and I sign them and send them out from the office here. So yeah, martinpopoff.com for everything. For all of your needs, your book yep. needs and your wall hanging needs. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> and yeah, there's the contrarians of course, as well. And there's the contest, yep, history, and see, five songs. history yep. and five songs of Martin Popoff and they can yep. see you on Sea of tranquility. And sometimes they can see you on banger. Yeah. And um, I love over overkill reviews. Yeah. I, yeah, I love too. that. Yeah. I love that. It reminds me of my youth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, I can't thank you enough for this. This has been so fun. And no worries, I, no worries. And I thank you so much for uh, for taking the time to hang out with me. And you know how to make sure this saves in Zoom. I'll I I'll tell you, tell you one more time. So literally, all you got to do is when we end meeting, it's gonna there's gonna be this panicky pause little little thing, but then it's gonna convert your meeting, right? Yep. It's gonna convert. That's gonna take quite a few minutes. Yeah, it does. And soon as it's converted it's automatically saved. It gives you the three little files. It gives you, should give you an audio only. It gives you a video um, and yeah. audio and then some other weird little so, thing. I think it's, and then I think it's an MP3 or something like that. Yeah. 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 Well, there's, there's this one little file that, that I'm not sure what it's for, but yeah, there's an audio only MP4 and then the full video yeah. version. But yeah, My, just, the you, podcast is, is audio only. So we're looking yeah. at each other right yeah. now, folks, but everybody's just going to hear it, us. Yeah. yeah. Nobody wants cool. to hear me. So. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, thank you. I really, really, really appreciate this. Okay. All right. We'll, uh, we'll keep in touch. Talk to you later. All right. Bye.